0: Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I had the absolute pleasure to sit down with Maria Menounos for an interview and to give her a reading, and I'm sharing that reading with you here. But if you want to hear the whole episode, uh, you can find her podcast called Better Together with Maria Menunos wherever podcasts are heard. Please enjoy. Can I look at your chart yeah, right now? Or go is for that, it. Okay, that sounds fun. Hopefully I come prepared. Jessica,
1: is it in my chart to adopt?
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say several things. Um one is no one puts baby in the corner. Right now, your baby. Yeah, you do not like being trapped. So, you have a Mars Saturn uh you have a yeah, Mars Saturn conjunction in the 6th house in Leo. You will definitely need an agreement with your partner, with your husband uh around responsibility share. And and how to communicate about responsibility share. I'm guessing if you married him and you don't want to murder him, that you already have a pretty good dynamic around that. I mean, sometimes, but, but...
1: I mean, it's life
0: and kids are, you know, you have to negotiate when you go pee because there's a baby there, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's like so much negotiation and that's not always your favorite thing. Um, And so that is something that I listen, something that has blown my mind my whole life is why people do not talk to their partners in detail about how they'll share responsibilities, what their assumptions and needs are before the baby is brought into fruition. Like to me, that's the most common sense thing. Of course I'm speaking like someone who doesn't have babies or want them, but I would strongly recommend it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have three planets in the Zodiac sign of cancer in the house of children. It's not just the house of children though. So like a very heterotypical astrologer is going to be like, Oh, you're meant to be a mother. You should have children. Um, I'm assuming if you've talked to other astrologers, they've said that to you. I, would not say that to you um, because you have a Pluto square to Venus, the moon, and Jupiter, which means you have seen, you know, tell me if I
1: get too personal. Nope. You're good. But, we're, we're with the heel squad. So they know everything.
0: Okay, good. Because <laughs> here we go. It looks like you have seen firsthand in your upbringing, how a parent can lose themselves and uh, mm-hmm. and what it cost her and you vow to yourself it looks like as a small child like before the age of 12 or by the age of 12 you vow to yourself you would not do that to yourself which is where those balls came from yeah
1: wow does that make sense yeah no one's ever said that shit yeah sorry but so true yeah so true (laughs) i had to draw the line recently again i was like these people put my mom in a grave and they're not putting me in one too. And I drew the line and Kevin was just like blown away because it involves someone that I love more than anything. And I was like, Nope, Mm Nope, Nope, Nope. It's
0: the dynamics in your family and certainly in your early childhood were unfair. And that doesn't mean your mother didn't consent and participate Mm -hmm. because she did, but you have different choices and you have vowed already to break that family line this Mm -hmm. is a thing in your matrilineage it has been a source of great pain for generations it looks like and because of that um, you have been taking care of yourself by not truly giving of yourself to people that you get close to because you saw your mother get taken advantage of and lose herself and not in a like oh, I lost myself, but like in a really <clears throat> difficult m- way. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you have come here to do in this lifetime is to figure out how to share of yourself authentically without abandoning yourself or letting yourself go. Like, you know, in a way where you're like, where the hell did I go? Right. Mm-hmm. And how does one do that with children? I don't know. I don't know. It makes sense to me that if you were going to choose to have kids, it would be when you're old enough to know who the hell you are Mm -hmm. and what you need. Because in our 20s and 30s, it's very hard to know those things. By the time you hit late 30s, early 40s, you finally have enough lived experience with yourself to know what you need and who you are. And so this is the time where if you were going to do it, it would make sense for you. But to your very specific question around adoption and fostering, you didn't name fostering, but I'm going to name it. Mm. You do have a sun Neptune opposition uh, in your birth chart, which does suggest to me uh, that it is within your nature to be very happy with fostering or adopting, but I put fostering first. And I put fostering first because that's how it tends to go. Now I'll say that as an astrologer, what I see of the energies is not always what people choose to do because of convention and pressure and fear. Um, But your chart absolutely has indications for fostering and adopting and or adopting. Um, And I would encourage you to explore fostering. If if you're going in the direction of adoption to also explore fostering, Um, there's a lot more fear around it. There's a lot more issues around it that people tend to have, but it's in your chart that you could be really good at it because what you love is knowing what the problems are. You're not scared of problems. You want to know what they are. And then when you can really understand what they are, you're you're very good at dealing with them when you're actually dealing with them. When you're thinking about them, maybe not as much. The anxiety is in your chart. Yes, from multiple <laughs> places, multiple places. Um, but but the the indicators are absolutely there. But if I may say, like the most important thing is being a parent is not going to change your need for alone time and self-care. You know how you need to self-care because you're a grown-ass adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably have always known it more than a lot of your peers. And it's really, you're going to need to preserve those things. I just often find that like, if you think about like the role of mother and the role of father, and you think about them outside of gender, I think you would be such a great dad. You would be like so happy as a dad.
1: That's <laughs> what I mean. Isn't that insane? We joke about that in I'm the house. Kevin's here. gonna be the mom and I'm the dad. Good.
0: Because yeah. you would you don't want to be a mom. You've never wanted to be a mom. You would be a great dad.
1: <laughs> I like would be an amazing dad. dad. I'll have all the fun with them. <laughs> yes.
0: You'll also be tough. You'll yep. you'll you'll don't have a problem with consequences. You're mm-hmm. really good at that. Um You're also really empathetic and supportive. You will be the greatest dad. And if you could, with your partner, have agreements where he takes the traditionally mothering role and you take the traditionally fathering role, I think you could be very happy as a parent. If you're with a man who needs you to be the mom because you're the girl, you know, I fear for his life.
1: Yeah, no, he's, Um, he, the roles are very clear. And what's great is we've had animals for so long. So we know what each other does. Like yep. he's the one who takes them to the vet. I diagnose them. And then I am home researching while he's at the doctor. And I'm like, okay, yeah. they need this, 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 and this. Tell them that. Um, so we know kind of our roles. He administers the meds. He does all of that great. part. That's great. Yeah. That's so good
0: for you. The if we, if we <laughs> if we stick with this astrologically, I want to just validate like the you have something called pluto intercepted in your seventh house you also have your north node intercepted in your seventh house what what i can kind of share with you is that this issue around preserving your autonomy in family so whether that's with your best friends with your boyfriend your husband or children or like if if your work environment is familial you know it could be there too preserving your autonomy is something that is essential to your spiritual health, which means it's foundational to every other part of you. And when you are in a place where you can preserve your autonomy, you're very good at showing up and being vulnerable and being present and like being nurturing and all the things. When you're seeing evidence of being taken advantage of or being minimized, this is where it's like it's like the, the overflow valve. Like there's like your fuse box breaks down basically. Like it's not good. And any number of things can happen from there. You can be too accommodating, not enough accommodating. Like you can go in any kind of weird direction it looks like from there. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think you'll, I would recommend you talk to your husband about before bringing on kids is like, okay, if that's true, whatever words you would put it, Can you have like a, like a cacao, like a safe word? So I would say you probably need some sort of safe word when you're just like, I don't know if I want to murder you or bake you cookies. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like when you get to that state of overwhelm to have like a simple safe word where you can just, he knows not to take it personally. And he knows to encourage you to go sit alone, like go in the bathroom and think or something like, you know, that will really help in the busyness of co-parenting. But You know, say it. There's, if you have a life that doesn't include travel and spontaneity and weird changes of plans, that's really going to affect you, you know? So, again, there's this way that kids, you know, you can take them on trips, you can do all that kind of stuff, but also kids need stability and all that kind of, you know, stuff. And so, I'm not saying therefore you can't have kids happily, but it's really about coming back to your dream honestly. It's about being honest with yourself about the parts of you that don't want to do it and making decisions because there's so many things we don't want to do all the time and we make the decision to do them. And when we can recognize our agency, our that we made a choice, it's easier to bear the consequences. When you feel trapped, like you were literally put in a cage by a big ass bird, like when you feel trapped then it's panic. Then it's, I'm right where I told myself I would never be. Whereas when you're like, I knew that this was a risk. I knew it would happen sometimes. And I'm choosing to participate in it. And I'm going to choose to be different than my instincts tell me to be, or I've seen family members be. That's where we break family karma. We break family patterns. Mm -hmm. And we have like the healing of ancestral wounds. In addition to living successfully and well, you know?
1: Um, but maybe having them is breaking the ancestral pattern because if my if this is coming from fear of me perpetuating the same behavior, when I have, I mean, I definitely, I, I threw the gauntlet down, I know. I was like, hell no to any of this stuff. No, I'm not marrying a Greek boy. No, I am not doing things your way. I'll do them until I am 18 and I have to so I can get out of here and do it my way. But I was very, very independent from go. I didn't want anybody in my way. I walked at eight months. Look at you. I was like, yeah, I was very, very, my mom was like, you didn't even want hugs. I was just like, everybody get out of my way. I have stuff to do, but, (laughs) um, but, um, yeah, but I, so I wonder if it's, I broke the pattern in that way by not conforming and not doing the same thing. I think I did a little bit of it when my mom was sick, where I gave everything I had to her. And then I I started realizing, I'm like, Oh my gosh, am I doing the same thing she did with my dad where she gave everything to him, but she needed me. She was terminally ill. It wasn't something that was going to be the rest of my life. Um, and so it was a little bit of a different thing. And by the way, this is a woman who did everything for me. So, of course, I'm going to do back. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that I also could break the patterns because I've already broken them. Right. Yeah. It doesn't think- have to be the same way. Like, my life doesn't have to be. I, I think it's a little unhealthy nowadays where life is just about the kids and making them totally happy and making everything amazing, which is why, you know, they can't handle pain or anything in life because everything's just been taken away. Um, so, Yeah.
0: I I really agree with you that it can be done. It's just about recognizing that there will be times where that pattern emerges because it's in your heredity, because it's an ancestral pattern, Mm -hmm. because it's been activated in your life this whole time. And the the most effective way you've managed it is by being like, I will walk on my own. Don't touch me. I will not sign the damn contract. Like you've managed by keeping things at arm's length, which
1: I don't think is bad or good. I think
0: it's effective, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and with kids, eh, you're not going to be able to do that all the time. It's it's really interesting. I think you know, I think it, it, it's applicable to anybody who's listening right now who has to make a decision, who's thinking about things like so many people end up marrying somebody they didn't really want to marry, but they're marrying yeah. because they fit the bill and the families like them, and then later, you know, they wake up and they're like, wait, why did I do that? Yeah. Um So it is. It is. You know, all of this is just um, reminding us that we have to give things real careful thought. Um, The the good thing about me and Kevin is Kevin will do everything. He's already Maria. I got this. Uh, He's like, I'm gonna, you're going to hike them out to me. But at first he used to think I was going to give birth to them. So he was like, you're going to hike them (laughs) over to me. I got it. Do your thing. So he's very content with, you know, he's running the ball for the most part and I'm going to be the dad and, That's so funny to say, but perfect.
0: I mean, it's in your chart. It's in your chart that that's what will work for you. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you've got a guy who's like, I want that, like, that is what will make me happy. You've already broken parts of the pattern, the inherited pattern, having a partner who's just like, yeah, I want to nurture.
1: I want to take care of them. I want to listen. Yeah. He really wants them.
0: Congratulations. That's really awesome. And, you know, and I think part of what, what we're talking about also is like, There is no choice that is the perfect choice because every choice has compromise and every choice has a downside. And it's not about seeking the perfect choice, which is what we're usually doing to avoid any amount of pain. Instead, what it is, is it's seeking the most authentic choice you can make. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at 35, would this have been the most authentic choice you can make? At 25, would this have been the most authentic choice you can make? No, that's why you didn't make it. And I think it's really about also. People are in such a rush to like, again, settle down my nightmare, but people are in such a rush to settle down that, like you said, they just make decisions based on a scarcity of time Mm -hmm. instead of an authentic choosing. And environmental pressures. Exactly. And that doesn't age well.
1: Or societal pressures. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whether they're real or not, people really do take them on.
1: So how do you use your medium powers with your astrology powers. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I like that you're calling it powers. It makes me feel like I should go. Pew, pew, <laughs> I, don't have that. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't exactly work with them together exactly precisely mm-hmm. because astrology is math and interpretation. So everything that, you know, we've been talking about other than the dream interpretation, uh, it's just been astrology, but mediumship, but astrology
1: is an interpretation as well. Like, so yes, you're doing the math and you're seeing the moons and the suns and the planets and all of that, like aligning and it'll tell you certain things. But then from there, there's a little bit of finessing that has to happen and it is your intuition. So you you have to be able to rely on your, your, you're right about that.
0: It's, it's like, it is intuition and it's also, the lineage of astrology that I use, it's like a combo platter because I am always looking at inherited trauma. Like I'm really, really interested in it. Um, which is why it's the you know, answer to everything. It's everything. It's literally everything. Most astrologers would look at your chart and be like three planets and cancer in the fifth house, have all the babies of the world. <laughs> You're the most nurturing woman of the world. And I, I, I glance at that, but I look at what Pluto is doing and Pluto's squaring it. So I'm just like, yeah, this is not what you want. You've made promises to yourself to avoid this. You know, you don't want a parasite in your body. You know, like there's like a lot of really intense feelings that your body has about mm-hmm. having kids. And it's always had. I have this, this, uh, Anyways, I was going to go off on a whole direction, but I, I will keep it on topic to say. No, don't um,
1: forget that direction because okay, that well, direction well, sounds interesting uh, too.
0: Okay. I'll give you the quick direction and then go. we'll come back okay. to the astrology uh, versus psychic versus medium. Um, so I have this theory that for you know people who are raised as girls, um, there's, we fall into one of two buckets. There's those of us who when we were little, we put baby dolls under our shirts and pretended to be pregnant. And those of us who it just never occurred to us to do that. If you're in the first bucket and you put little baby dolls in your shirt and pretended to be pregnant when you were little and there were no pressures on you, you probably will grow up to be somebody who really wants to have kids, like really feels that need. And for those of us who it just never occurred to us to put a doll in our shirt and pretend we were pregnant, yeah, we don't need it. Doesn't mean we can't choose it. Doesn't mean it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be great, but we don't need it. And I think that that's important because there's this lie we were raised with that all girls need to be moms, um, which I reject with passion. Like, I just don't think that's true. Even if, you know, lots of women need to be moms, that doesn't mean all women need to be moms and not at all times. Like, you know, having babies in your twenties when you're a damn baby is to me not ideal. Like wait until your post-Satum return. That was my, my little quick offset direction. But back to like astrology, medium, psychic. Okay, so I'm going to do quick definitions because I'm a Capricorn, I can't help myself. Um, So astrology we've unpacked, right? There's also medium. And so being a medium means I can talk to dead people and animals. Um, And then being psychic, the way I describe it is it's like, I have this really high speed internet connection and I can just connect. I just have access to data. So I cannot see all of the websites of the world at once. When I am looking at a website, I am not able to consume all of the data of that website, only the page I'm looking at. Right. Um, so it's not like I know all the things, but I have access to information that I wouldn't otherwise have. So when I'm reading a birth chart, I will often be psychic without even like planning on it. It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's hard not to be. Um, Although I wasn't doing that with you just for clarity's sake. Um, With the mediumship, it's specifically having conversations with people who are no longer in their bodies. So I don't really cast charts for dead people. I don't cast death charts. I mean, I have done it, but I never heard of a death chart. Yeah. You can cast a death chart and like a chart on someone who's already passed. It's the chart of the moment someone passes. And what that chart i don't think there's a great deal of reason for it there's other ways of doing what a death chart does so i don't mess with it also requires you have an exact time of a person's last breath which is morbid so hard yeah yeah it's hard and morbid and a lot of things but a death chart can articulate the conditions of the death but also the conditions of the wake of that death of of what happens within you know the life of that death essentially mm. because charts we cast for the life of a thing, so it's the life of the death, which sounds intense. But I, I used to use those. i again not too much, but before I knew I was a medium, and when I started to realize that I was a medium and that it wasn't just a fluke that I was able to do these things, uh, which took me a couple of years to believe, um, I, I just kind of like dropped a bunch of practices because I was able to just talk to the dead. Um, Communicating with the dead has taught me and, you know, different people have different beliefs and I don't want to contradict anyone's beliefs. And, and, you know, I'm a medium, I talk to dead people, but I don't know anything. And, um, and I think that anyone who's alive who tells you that they know for sure what happens after death has got some hubris because you can't know until you're there. Um, But that said, in my experience, there is no there, there. There is no separation when we're no longer in a body because the body is a state of separation. You're in LA, you're in LA, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in Oakland. We are in different places and that is a thing. But are we actually like energetically? Are we actually in different places? Or are we in one place right now? Because I feel like we're in one place. Mm-hmm. So if we pull the body out, if we pull physicality and location out, if we pull out linear time, then we just have our energies connected. But also maybe you're thinking about your dog and your, and your Mr. Kevin and like, you know, like a million other things. So your energy is in other places as well. Um, and that's when we are past, when we are dead, our energy is not limited by time or location. And to me, that's so freeing. It's so freeing. And I, I'll say there's like a lot of difficulties with being a medium, And I don't encourage people to just like try to be a medium lightly because there are some definite risks associated with it. Um, But it is really a gift for me to be able to connect with people who are in spirit and to see their evolution over time. And it's also, I really like working with bereaved people Mm. because I have the tolerance for it. And as you were touching on earlier, most people are like, well, you've been sad for a month. Like, let's move along. Yep. And my attitude is, you know, pull out your hair and gnash your teeth and wail for years if you need to, because that's human. That's that's what happens when we go through loss. It doesn't go away. It changes us, and it's supposed to change us. Um, and I think I, I, you know, I really just have a, a great deal of um, passion about being able to be present with people for emotions that they're hiding from other people Mm. because they're scared of it overwhelming them or whatever. So I'm not sure if I exactly answered your question about astrology and mediumship, but there is a crossover between those two things, but I don't really hold them as the same, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So interesting. I'm really curious about the medical... Stuff as well, because when you were saying everything in your body is like, uh, uh-uh. I, I've always thought that there was a reason that we tried everything and couldn't get pregnant, but I know my body could be pregnant. Yeah. I, I agree with you know 1 billion percent. I am fertile and totally okay. Yep. But there's something that blocks it.
0: Uh, if I was to, okay, so there's two things mm-hmm. that I can see you are comfortable with me going yeah there? go for it okay cool 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 one is you don't want to be pregnant yeah that, i mean you want it's like listen no like I, I want know,
1: it but then i don't want it it's a very weird thing where i was correct. like oh it'd be so cool like but then i don't want the birthing part that scares correct. me i've never wanted to be vulnerable in a hospital legs in the air with all these people pulling out a child out of my body yeah
0: the way that i think of it is kind of like i would love to lose 10 pounds. It'd be so fun to be like 10 pounds lighter. Cause I have all these jeans that would fit so well, but you know what I don't want to do, uh, all the things that need to be done to lose those that weight. Like, mm-hmm. sure. I want the outcome, but do I want the process? And I kind of feel yeah. like that's your feeling about pregnancy itself. It's like, yeah, you want it, but do you actually want it? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to do the things that make that happen? So for whatever that's worth, that's part of it, but it's only one part. You also, and I agree, you have Venus, the moon, and Jupiter all in the fifth house and cancer, you're fertile. It's not about fertility. That Mars-Saturn conjunction, are you comfortable with me talking about your period? Yeah. Okay. It gives you a really like a punch of a period. Like you're a bleeder and you feel it, but it's like not the longest period in the world. Is that your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Are there thyroid conditions in your family? Thyroidism. Yeah. And do you have thyroidism? I have Hashimoto's. Okay yeah so that's in the chart um and that would be the only physiological um indicator for a difficulty in in timing procreation right uh, because it gives you like wonky ovulation cycles the regulatory systems of your body right um and so your window's weird it's not that you don't have a window it's just a weird random window and if you did like the basal timing test all the shit that people do yeah uh, it probably would be maddening for you. It never worked. Angry. It
1: was so hard it's not it's not for your body type. It wouldn't huh. work That's really you helpful for people listening, I think, because I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about their thyroid and their their ovulation window being at odds.
0: really? yeah, I talk about it a lot. Uh, obviously, I'm not a doctor, and no one should take you know medical advice from an astrologer <clears throat> over a doctor. but I will say. I will never stop being mystified and and outraged by the lack of medical care for people who ovulate. It's shocking for people who have periods for, you know, it's shocking. Like how little we talk about perimenopause and Mm -hmm. menopause and ovulation and all of those things, because it's not just, we don't just ovulate so we can get pregnant. You know, when we ovulate, I feel, I feel when I ovulate and I don't want to get pregnant, but it's an important part of my monthly cycle. Anyways. Um, That Chiron-Uranus opposition that you have is the indicator for the thyroid condition. And it is also the indicator for your window being erratic. So sometimes you'll ovulate for a nice, normal, expected window. And sometimes it's like hours. And there's no way to predict it because it's, it's erratic. And that is part of why your body says, I don't want to incubate. Because your system really likes to be a dude. Like it likes to just be like, I mean, like, you know, like the big Lebowski, like weird, independent, walks their own path, not like a man, but like the Mm -hmm. dude. Um, And it's, I don't think it's good or bad. It just is what it is. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Okay. But then there's one last thing. There's a number of factors in your chart that articulate how emotional you get around cycles so not just hormonal cycles but certainly hormonal cycles i would imagine that if you were going down an ivf path as opposed to an iui path that it would be torturous for you and i would never recommend it as it a it was medical i did it you did it i'm sorry it was torture
1: yeah your system doesn't like drugs i, I mean, knew oh my god look at ah! that's what i say i hate yeah medicine, unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I yes. hate taking anything. And I knew it was totally like counter everything in my mm-hmm. body to do it. But I was like, I need to have an insurance policy. I don't want to wake up and want kids and not be able to have them.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, I understand why you did it.
1: And and then <clears> it created <throat> a whole host of other issues.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it did. Your, your body has the wrong, like the unexpected reaction to drugs. Like everyone gets calmed down by this pill. You're speeded up. Like your body doesn't like drugs. And on top of it, your system is very good at surviving, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which sounds good (laughs) until you're trying to do something like IVF. And then it's like, you're being tortured by your body and by the, the like whole process. Um, it's just not, it's not, um, your version of healthy. Mm-hmm. And you, if you do decide to get pregnant, you would be a great candidate for doing it with acupuncture, um, Chinese herbs. Like, you know, if you do Ayurveda, something like that, that is complementary, that has a very long and studied, uh, lineage of treating hormonal issues, which I feel like Western medicine does not, no. um, because your system is so sensey, so sensey. Um, and, If I can keep going with medical astrology for just Mm -hmm. a moment, your lungs are sensitive. Mm -hmm. So in this COVID mishigas, uh, definitely be like super conservative. And the other thing that I would say, and this is going to sound like it's like left field, but bear with me floss, make flossing your part-time job, just like floss and floss and floss and use all the water picks of the world. Like it looks like there's some gum stuff in your family. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, my parents had terrible dental because they never had toothbrushes in the village. Right. So right. they've always right. had problems. Yeah. But my teeth have always been great. And I never floss. That's so funny. Floss. I give you good <laughs> advice. Here
0: and now I say okay. to you, my friend, floss. <laughs> okay. Uh, or get a water pick because okay. that might be easier for you than flossing. Okay. Um, but, and, and do you, do you wear a night guard? I do. You need it. You you're a grinder mm-hmm. girl. You grind. Mm-hmm. I know the kids say like it's grind, but you grind, and then you also grind, mm-hmm. and you're grinding so good. um And you're I assume. Let's just keep going with this medical astrology for just another moment. If you look at your shoes, they're worn down at the ba- the base of the heel. Huh? Have you paid attention to that? No. Take a peek. If you wear shoes like frequently enough, like if you wear down shoes, because uh, it looks like you you tend to be heavy heavy heel, like the way you step. Can be heavy on your heels, which can actually create knee or hip stuff over the course of time. Um, You're young enough to not have that be a problem yet, but you know, old enough to be aware. Same thing with the gums, you know. And if you do decide to get pregnant, and perhaps when you were doing any kind of hormonal therapy, your gums would get Mm sensey. So pay attention to that uh, just to preserve your, you know, your beautiful teeth.
1: Well, Jessica, I am so grateful you decided to spend an entire day with us. Oh,
0: my God. Thank you for having me. I'm planning
1: on moving in. I hope you don't mind. I'm coming with a a bunch of
0: suitcases. Come on
1: down. We've got Winnie and Max who will greet you. Max might want to eat you at first, but then he'll be your best friend later. That's cute. But um, no, I'm super grateful for everything today. I mean, man, did I, I need it. Hey everyone, Maria Menunos here. I'm so happy that you are with us and enjoying the show. We have so many amazing guests, just like Jessica on my show, Better Together Daily. So if you have never checked out Better Together with Maria Menunos, I hope you'll give it a try. We're on Apple Podcast and Spotify, or you can check out my website, mariamenunos.com, M-E-N-O-U-N-O-S, <laughs> to see everything that we do. We're all growing and transforming every single day together. So I hope you'll join or Heal Squad. Enjoy the rest of the show. Supporting local abortion funds that help arrange and pay for
0: abortion care for patients who need it is one of the most impactful actions you can take for reproductive justice today. Planned Parenthood is great, of course, but also consider donating to the Yellowhammer Fund. Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, and Margins, Women Helping Black Women. The links for all three of these orgs are in show notes. If you or someone you know is a pilot, you can consider becoming a volunteer with elevatedaccess.org to help transport passengers at no cost to them to access gender-affirming and abortion health care. And finally, the Church of Prismatic Light is a religion for LGBTQIA plus people and allies who want religious freedom to have the right to bodily autonomy, marry who they love, transition, and have gender affirming care. You can find them at prismaticlightchurch.org. My loves, my loves, there's so much going on right now, obviously. We're going to talk about a bunch of things today. We're going to talk about the horoscope. We're going to talk about what's happening astrologically kind of in a more broad context. But let me first say that knowing the future, what will happen next in your life, what will happen to you, uh, what will happen in the world around you, isn't what keeps you safe And you know, the most common thing I get asked by people when they're getting readings is what will happen? Um, You know, when will this happen for me? Those kinds of questions. And the truth is, knowing that information really doesn't help you. I mean, it can, it can help, but it doesn't keep you safe. What keeps you safe is being aware of and associated with what's happening here and now. There's so much going on in the world, and there's so much talk of war. There is so much war happening in the world, not just, of course, in Ukraine, but alarmingly there. And in the context of that, I want to just acknowledge that assuming everything's going to be okay, just like assuming everything will not be okay, are both kind of equally dangerous enterprises. We don't want to make assumptions. We want to, to the best of our ability, to be informed. And we want to also be kind of aware of the fact that no one has the answers. No one has the answers. There are certain things in life that are unanswerable until you have hindsight. So when you catch yourself looking for predictions or assurances, try to ask yourself, how is the information I'm seeking going to help me to contribute? How can I help? Or in what ways do I need help? And have I asked the appropriate and correct uh, people or resources for that assistance? If you can prepare in life and at this time, do. And if you can't, try to train your mind to focus on what is constructive, right? On what can help. And this is difficult. It's a difficult thing to do in the here and now. And it's difficult in general. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk about the horoscope for this week, but the truth of the matter is, there are no exact transits. Mercury is ingressing into the zodiac sign of Pisces on the 9th. We are feeling the tail end of the Sun conjunction to Jupiter, which I talked about in last week's episode, on the 6th. And then on the 12th, we'll be feeling the beginnings of a transit that won't be exact until the 13th. So I'll I'll give you a little bit more information about that in a minute. And really, that's it. It's a it's a quickie this week. But there are ongoing things that we need to talk about astrologically, right? When you're reading about astrology, it's tempting to think like, okay, so there's like the Pluto return and it happened. Now it's done. But that's not how it works, right? Like when we have transits, especially big transits, what we experience is the first kind of uh, wave of impact. But Things continue to unfold. And so there's so much that is happening, even when there are not exact transits. And on weeks like this, where there's not as much happening astrologically, there's more room for us to feel our feelings for better or worse. So be prepared for that, right? I'm going to speak a little more specifically to the transits in a moment. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about what's happening in the world and even touch on. Vladimir Putin's birth chart. I want to acknowledge that there are wars happening around the world frequently, certainly now. What's happening between Russia and Ukraine is absolutely awful and heartbreaking. And the reason why the West is so compelled by what's happening in Ukraine is ultimately about, you know, racism, right? It's ultimately about racism. But it's not exclusively about racism. It's also because of the threat of World War III and nuclear war. It's important to acknowledge that not all nations are capable of waging nuclear war and that that is not on the table usually in the way that it is here currently. And that is alarming and newsworthy. And it's worth noting that on the 22nd was the exact date of the Pluto return of the United States, right? And then Russia um, waged its war and invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February of 2022. It's interesting to see from an astrological perspective that there is a way that the United States is linked to what is happening in that region of the world. In many ways, this is pretty murky, right? How that is. And I have my theories, and I'm sure many people have their theories about this, but it will become very clear in the coming years. This is a really important thing to remember. World War II did not truly become a world war until years into Hitler's reign, right? Like Hitler had a lot of time to do a lot of terrible things before all of the world or so much of the world became involved. It's important to remember that the destabilization of one region of the world can have catastrophic effects on other regions of the world, or not, or not, right? But, but it can. So let me pull back a little bit here. When we're talking about the Pluto return of the United States, we are talking about uh, this place that is now called the United States of America, And the U.S. becoming independent of Great Britain is one important way of talking about the U.S. Sibley Chart, American history, uh, and the U.S. itself. Another way of talking about it is acknowledging that this group of people were fleeing and fighting an oppressive regime only to abuse another people's. They came to these lands and they perpetrated war on the people who were living here, on their way of life and on their land on their bodies. And that war is ongoing from the colonizing state of the U.S. to the people indigenous to these lands, right? That is really important for us to be talking about. So as we see what is happening from Russia to Ukraine, and we're horrified, it's important to remember we did exactly that here to establish the place that is now these United States. And we do this to other nations, right? It's very important to acknowledge this for a million reasons, but here we are in an astrology podcast. So astrologically, it is very important to acknowledge this to understand what the lessons and trauma of Pluto really are, right? The Pluto return of the U.S. is not just about the birth of our nation. It's about the wars we feel entitled to wage to gain personal freedoms the role that we take as a nation, that the United States takes as a nation in response to Russia slash Putin will impact the world in a meaningful way. As tempting as it is to obsess on this and to look for answers and feel secure in whatever progress we see or to get terrified about whatever setbacks we see happening in Ukraine, happening from Russia, etc., it is important to acknowledge that this is very much the beginning, astrologically, right? So again, I'm just I, I'm speaking very much as an astrologer based on the transits here. Since we understand that the first hit of the Pluto return just happened, not even two weeks ago. It's important that we understand that we need to pace ourselves through the stress, through the way we engage with the news through our willingness and ability to find ways of participating and being constructive, right? We've got to pace ourselves because it's just beginning. So this is my advice with that. It's to center your humanity as you deal with fear and scarcity. It's important for us to watch out for our individual tendencies to displace our emotions and to disassociate. And to a certain extent, we all have to displace our emotions and we all have to disassociate. That's just like part of being a person, right? On the other hand, it's important to be aware of when we're doing it and aware of whether or not it's serving us, because sometimes it really does and sometimes it really doesn't. Now, as I've touched on before, any war in the 2020s is likely to be held on the cyberspace in a meaningful way. Uh, But humans are violent. And groups of humans are very violent. And so it's important in this time that we, to the best of our ability, get clear about how we're engaging, how we're engaging with information, how we're engaging with others, our friends, our enemies, our frenemies, all the people. Because when most people are in heightened stress and fear is when we become Emotionally violent or physically violent, right? When you're in your flight or fight mechanism, when you're in your root chakra, when you're dealing with Pluto issues, those were all synonyms. uh, What we tend to do is abandon our humanity and abandon our integrity because we're only focused on survival. So uh, the building is burning. I'm going to push down all the people in front of me and run out the door as quickly as I can because I'm only thinking about not getting burned, right? That kind of a thing. This is the time to the best of your ability to. Ask yourself, especially when you're in a high level of stress, how am I participating? What are my skills and how can I contribute? What do I need to let go of right now? Create like a small list of constructive questions that really resonate for you. Stick them in the notes of your phone and return to them when you get overwhelmed by the world. Because honestly, you can't control the world. All we can do is control our engagement within it. So that brings me right back to the Pluto return. When we talk about the United States, it's hard to not be talking about capitalism and even NATO. And I know many astrologers are saying that this is the end of capitalism, that the Pluto return marks the end of capitalism. I personally feel that this is an idealistic interpretation and also kind of a... It's just not what I'm seeing. I'll say it that way. More than that, though, if capitalism fails what exactly do we imagine will take its place? Because when a system collapses, it tends to collapse upon the most vulnerable of people. Not the people benefiting from capitalism. The people who are never benefiting from capitalism are the ones who are to be directly impacted. And so this is a time to seriously consider what actions we can take to build systems. And I say this because Pluto is in Capricorn. We are meant to be building systems and destroying the ones that don't work, right? So this is not the time for analysis to kind of like twiddle its thumbs. This is the time for investing in community-based systems, systems of systems where we build support with each other. So be on the lookout for uh, people in the world who center themselves in the way they describe or participate in systems that are meant to be community support systems, which is very common, especially in this world of social media. Seriously, the Pluto return of the United States is inevitably a time where we are going to have a revolutionary experience, right? Literally, the last time Pluto was in CAP- At 27 degrees, we had the American Revolutionary War. This is a time of revolution. And so when we look at uh, the current leaders of the United States, Biden and Harris, does any amongst us imagine that they will herald a revolution? Uh, Me personally, not so much. They seem to be very status quo. It doesn't mean that they're all bad or all good. it just means very status quo, not bringing a revolution. But the astrology tells us we will have a revolution. So whose revolution will it be? It'll be progressive or it'll be very conservative. It won't be a maintaining of what we've had, and currently that seems to be uh, the current American administration's way to go. And this is why I'm not pulling up their birth charts to talk to you about Biden or Harris and Just a quick aside. I don't look at like famous people's birth charts and discuss them in public. I I have an ethical conflict with that. But for uh, civil servants, people who put themselves in a position to to serve the government, to serve the people, those that's the one exception I'll make for looking at the birth charts of those people. So, anyways, at this point, what I'm more focused on is the citizens of the United States and the soul of the United States. We have a lot of toxicity to contend with. And on an individual level, we must find ways of having greater empathy for each other and of being less violent, not just physically violent, but, you know, emotionally violent, defensive, cruel with each other. We must find ways of confronting our history and whoever you are, whatever your personal lineage with the history of the land that you're on is. Uh, We've all got work to do. From reparations to healing, whether you're connected to a lineage of perpetrators or victims. And a lot of us have a lineage of both, right? This is the stage I think that we're at as a nation in many ways, finding ways of doing healing work with ourselves that is relevant to the context of what's happening in the collective. This all brings me to talking about Vladimir Putin. And I honestly hesitate to talk about his chart, and I'm not going to go too deep into it for a number of reasons. One is that, quite frankly, it's a little scary. But who amongst us would be surprised that Vladimir Putin's birth chart would be a little scary? If you know anything about his life and work, you know, to be scared. He was born on October 7, 1952 at 9.30 a.m. in St. Petersburg, Russia. Uh, and it is important to note that his exact time of birth is definitely not reliable. And because he was KGB, maybe his birth date isn't reliable. So we're going to use a major grain of salt when looking at his chart. And if you are doing your own research or you're looking along with me, it's important to remember that when we do not have a reliable time of birth, we do not put much stock into houses, into the Ascendant or Midheaven, or the Moon placement even, because the time is necessary for those key bits of data. Now, again, It is possible this is not his real birth date. With most, you know, civil servants, with most political leaders, we have a reliable birth date and year. But again, he was KGB, so we don't fucking know. We don't know. So we want to keep that in mind. Okay. A lot of how I work with astrology relies on the outer planets, those slow moving planets that do not change very much from day to day. And that is what I am... Drawn to focus on within his chart, anyways. Um, So, I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about this, and then we're going to get into a little more details about this week's horoscope. So, if you're not in the mood to hear about his chart, this is your moment. You just scooch along the audio file till you hit uh, the horoscope. Okay. Okay. So, Putin, he has a Libra stellium, and he's got this Neptune conjunction to Mercury, Saturn, and the sun. This placement, and in the chart that we have, it's in the 12th house, which does make sense. Uh, It's a place of secretiveness, but again, not a reliable point of data, so I'm not going to focus on it. But this configuration of planets with Neptune and Saturn in the center can absolutely lead to purist style thinking. And being a purist can lead to extreme violence, and it can lead to people feeling entitled to doing whatever it is that they feel called to do, because they believe in the purity of their own vision. The real thing that I want to focus on is the fact that he has Pluto at 22 degrees of Leo in 43 minutes, and it is uh, square to Jupiter in his birth chart. And the reason why I'm focusing on that is, is a couple things. One is, you know, with this time of birth that we have, he has a Pluto conjunction to the midheaven, which is an alarming bit of data that I will not focus on simply because I'm not confident about that midheaven. But what I can focus on is the fact that Pluto is at 22 degrees and 43 minutes of Leo. And that means Saturn is currently opposite Pluto. Now, Saturn opposite Pluto is a transit we all go through every once every 29 years. It's it's a one of those kinds of transits, right? But when a person goes through Saturn opposition to Pluto, it's like your very survival is being tested. Your feelings during this transit, like anyone's feelings during this transit are, if I don't do this, something terrible will happen. Like this Pluto is again flight or fight mechanisms and Saturn is your sense of reality. And so this transit is very difficult. It's a very stressful transit. And generally, there are major losses that we experience. And those losses are actually meant to happen so that we release what is no longer serving us, what is not in, in alignment with us. However, when it comes to Saturn and Pluto, and this is something that, you know, longtime listeners of the podcast will know because we have gone through Saturn Pluto conjunction in the past couple of years. When it comes to Saturn and Pluto, it is a time where we can really compromise our humanity for our own sense of stability. But it's not really stability when it comes to Saturn and Pluto. It's power, right? And so seeing that Vladimir Putin is going through this transit throughout 2022 is deeply concerning, because this transit suggests that he will not stop fighting, there's just no way that he's just going to be like, okay, I lost. I'm moving on. No. With this transit, we can expect that he will become more dogged and more intense. This transit signifies major power struggles. And because he is a world leader, because he has nuclear power, and because he is all the things he is doing, all the things he's doing, this is a great cause for concern. This transit signifies that. He is capable of basically doing anything to achieve his aims and that he will feel entitled. And this is a really important piece to acknowledge. He, like most world leaders, are driven by a sense of purpose. And that purpose is really hungry because he has a Pluto Jupiter square in his birth chart, it's just ravenously hungry. His drive for power, his drive for dominion is ravenous, it's compulsive. And with Saturn forming this opposition to Pluto and forming a square to Jupiter at 20 degrees of Taurus, you know, it is concerning because that particular transit tests how well a person puts their lives together. And it will often kind of bring up shortages. So, again, we are seeing that, you know, the sanctions being placed upon Putin and the oligarchs of Russia and the people. Of Russia is all being reflected in his birth chart. Now, again, these things will last throughout 2022 based on his birth chart. In May of 2022, he's entering into a once in a lifetime event called Neptune Square to Mars. And this transit is really demoralizing. It's often a time where our uh, ego based drives get leveled so that we don't get the same kind of validation, we don't achieve the same level of success that we would at other times. So you might hear that and be like, great, Putin's going to lose. But the problem is, when someone is driven by power and dominance, and feels that their very security, their very foundations are being threatened. And then they feel demoralized, whether it's because of personal losses or because of health problems, which Neptune square to Mars can often bring about health issues. And there is talk of Putin having health issues right now that are further destabilizing him. What do people who are power hungry do? Well, they don't sit back and say, "Mm, I don't feel good. I should I should pull back or things aren't working the way I wanted them to. I should I should do less. No. Not so much. It tends to increase paranoia and defensiveness and intensify the aggression of their behavior. And so I do have great concerns uh, about what I see happening in this person's chart over the next two years, two and a half. Again, I want to acknowledge that I'm not looking at the chart of the nation of Russia, and I'm not looking at the chart of the nation of Ukraine, nor am I looking at the Ukrainian leaders. I'm not doing that for many reasons, Uh, one of which is I do not know enough about the very long history of Russia, and I do not know enough about Ukrainian history. I also see that Vladimir Putin is the one to look out for right now. He is the perpetrator of all of this, and by understanding that he is being driven by, yes, dominion, but also fear, and that he is feeling destabilized understanding that astrologically this is likely to spur him on to act worse instead of better is an important perspective. And I imagine uh, anyone listening who is uh, a psychologist or a social worker, anyone who works with human psychology, uh, can see how that would be. That is, you know, on a much more relatable level, why cheaters think everyone's cheating on them and liars think everyone's lying to them. Because when you perpetrate harm, you assume that others are going to do the same or worse to you. That's a thing. So honestly, that's all I'm I'm going to touch on here. The truth of the matter is that, you know, Russia poses a threat to the whole world because of its willingness to engage with nuclear power, right? As I talked about in last week's horoscope, we had that Venus and Mars conjunction to Pluto, and then we had, you know, the fire and the conflicts in Ukraine at nuclear power plants, right, that Russia went ahead and, and went there. Now, astrologically, this wasn't shocking. This was something that, you know, we were able to see coming. But I never want to predict something that scary or bad. But we do want to be aware that that is a possibility. And so to that, before I get into the details of the horoscope, which again are not many, to that I want to say, wherever you're at in your life, have gratitude for your safety. Have gratitude for your stability. Make an effort to really feel grateful for your access to food, the air that you breathe. Remember to say thanks to this beautiful, bizarre planet we live on and these just utterly confusing, gorgeous and and weird meat suits we live in. You know, when you breathe in clean air, be grateful for it when there are threats to the planet or threats to the collective in any region of the world, it is terrifying. And it is also a moment for all of us to be grateful for the little things that we all take advantage of and we all take for granted day by day. Be grateful for what you got. Acknowledge it. Because when we acknowledge it, we have more abundance. And in this time that is so scary and stressful. It is easy to feel more aligned with our scarcities. Fear, all the things we're scared of, all the things you're scared of in your life and in the world, they're probably relevant. You know, good on you. Go be scared. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to tell you, you know, to, to not feel negative feelings. But I will say, pair gratitude with whatever stressful thoughts and feelings you have to the best of your ability. Because as we know, repetitive thought is prayer. So, If you're going to pray for what you don't want, try to also pray for what you do want. If you're going to fixate on what hurts, try to equally fixate on what flows, on what's working, on what you do have to be grateful for. And yeah, within that, I include the air you breathe, the water you drink, your ability to flush a toilet, all those basic things. No bombs overhead. Fuck. Be grateful for that. I know that might sound kind of grim, but also it is worth acknowledging. Your relative safety, if you've got it. If you can, train your mind to focus on what is constructive, on how you can be a helper, or if you need help, how to find the right kind of help, right? And how to ask for it. Wherever you're at, because we're all gonna be the helper sometime and we're all gonna need help sometime, find ways of engaging constructively. So, that said, let's get a little bit into the more weekly horoscope vibes. On the 6th, we are in the last day of feeling the conjunction between the Sun and Jupiter, and hopefully it is giving you a little bit of a break, a little more resiliency. This transit can coincide with good things happening, right, with a bit of ease. And so lean into that on the 6th as much as you can. On the ninth, Mercury moves into Pisces, and that shift from Mercury being in the analytic air sign of Aquarius to the more sense-impression-based water sign of Pisces, what we can have is uh, greater empathy, right? Uh, Greater willingness to connect with others, to receive and to authentically give, to be generous. We can also have greater misunderstandings, skimming over details, that kind of stuff. So if you are consuming news, which my hope is each of you is, uh, make sure you're not just seeking confirmation bias. Make sure that you're not just putting yourself at the top of an outrage slide and just screaming the whole way down, you know, like we don't just want to get our confirmation bias. We don't want to just uh, consume news that outrages us or terrifies us. You want to have balanced strategy in how you receive reliable, dependable news. And also you want to remember that when people are reporting on, you know, developing situations like the pandemic or wars, they're doing their best, hopefully, to give you the truth, but the truth is still revealing itself. And so, you know, here we are. Here we are. We got to use common sense when reading or consuming news, right? We know that, but it's worth repeating because Mercury is in Pisces. And that brings us to the final transit I'm going to name this week, and that is on the 12th. We will be feeling the Sun conjunction to Neptune. Now that transit will be exact on the 13th, so I'm going to talk about it in greater depth on next week's episode. But the Sun conjunction to Neptune is kind of a total bummer. This transit is happening all in the sign of Pisces. And it's worth considering, because of the speed of Neptune, how rare this transit is to have the Sun conjunct Neptune in Pisces is, is rare because Neptune is not frequently in any sign, let alone Pisces, the sign that it rules. Having the Sun conjunct Neptune conjunct Neptune can be really exhausting. It can literally make you tired. It can make you feel demoralized. It can make you feel sleepy uh, or disassociated. It can also stir up major anxiety. And that's the thing worth naming is the anxiety that this transit kicks up. This is a very important time to be aware of your boundaries, right? There's a way that Neptune dissolves our boundaries. And so you may experience people trampling over your boundaries intentionally or unintentionally. You may be crossing some sort of lines without even realizing it. The problem with this transit is it can coincide with you needing stronger energetic and psychological behavioral boundaries just at the moment when you're least likely to have them. You may run into like an energy vampire. You may be dealing with people or situations that are kind of impossible. So you feel kind of like at a loss for how to cope. And if that's the case, all you can do is your damn best, right? So to be empathetic, to be generous, to be kind are what the sun conjunction to Neptune and Pisces truly want. But it's not healthy or appropriate with certain peoples in certain situations. So this is where you need boundaries to understand that if kindness and empathy and caring and generosity for others comes at the expense of those same things for yourself. That's not good. That's what we don't want to do. So to the best of your ability, show up. Pay attention, you know, pay attention to how you respond to your own energy and feelings, how you respond to other people's, and whether or not you abandon yourself in order to take care of people and situations. If you do, you may need to again uh, rein in those boundaries. And if you are somebody who, in your anxiety and fear and overwhelm, tramples on other people's boundaries, you may need to, again, rein that shit in and honor that we are all going through things and that no matter what you're feeling, that doesn't mean you get to trample upon other people's expressed boundaries. And all of that said, I want to remind you of something that I've talked about a fair amount on Ghost of a Podcast, which is your boundaries are your job, right? Right. It is your job to identify your boundaries, to hold your boundaries, and to protect them. It's not anyone else's job to protect your boundaries. Hopefully, the people you're engaging with are being respectful. Hopefully. But can you count on people being respectful all the damn time? No, you can't. Sometimes people disrespect our boundaries on purpose because they're jerks. And sometimes people disrespect our boundaries because they don't know any better, because they made a mistake, right? It's unintentional. In any case, It is important that you take responsibility for and stay centered within your own boundaries. You don't have to be an apologist about it and you don't have to be aggressive about it. Do your best to just embody what you know to be right and good for you at this time. And if you don't know what's right and good for you, that's a boundary too. I can't say yes to X because I'm not sure if it's a yes for me yet. That's a damn boundary, you know, you know. Now, again, I'll talk about this more in depth in next week's episode, but I wanted to make sure you're empowered with a little bit of information because who needs a Neptune transit in the midst of all this? I, I beg of you. You tell me. Who needs it? We don't. But we got it. We got it. So here we go. Now, my loves, thank you for joining me once again on this here Ghost of a Podcast if you'd like to learn more with me, visit my website. It is gorgeous. It is glorious. Uh, visit my website at lovelignato.com where I've got free stuff. You can also purchase digital workshops and my book, Astrology for Real Relationships. It's both cute and fantastic in in my humble view. Also, whilst there, you can always join me over on Patreon where I post all the damn time. And if you're an astrology student or a pro, Uh, You can subscribe to my Astrologer's Pro Tool, Astrology for Days to Track the Transits and your delineations of them. That's at astrologyfordays.com, but it's all on my website. As always, I ask that you subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you get value from it, give me five stars and write a review because it does make a big difference. Okay, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and go gently through these days, my loves. I will talk to you next week. Bye bye.
1: Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. And we're still here.